0: So if you would, let me just take a a couple minutes and and set the scene for you, okay? Back there in chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. Back there in chapter 3, 1 Kings, Solomon goes to Gibeon uh, to sacrifice, okay? He goes to sacrifice there, and he offered up a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon, okay, in a dream. And this is the first time, okay, that he appears to him and he asks what shall i give you think of that for a minute okay what god is saying what shall i give you okay instead of i don't know i don't want to just say, just take me home <laughs> planning no, why go through all this take me home so the we all know that he asks for wisdom and oh boy did he ever get it Right? In fact, God said there in chapter 3, verse 12, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you or shall any like you arise after you. Okay? Unless, of course, you know you have teenagers. Then they know everything. right? <laughs> and then on top of that, God blesses him with great wealth and honor. Okay? And then God says to him, So if you walk, right? Condition. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So I guess we can say that things are going well for Solomon. Okay? And we, we, he, we could say he got the smarts, right? And he's got the riches and he's got the, even the respect from the people. So then he begins to do the building of the temple, right? And everything is is just coming along. Now, we jump ahead, and the the building of the temple is completed, okay? And it tells us at the end of chapter 6, verses 37 to 38, it says, In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, the month of Bul, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. Now, 11 months later, Solomon dedicates the temple, okay? Some say that out of respect to the people and for the convenience for them, okay, that he waited... For when they would come up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. That's why he waited the 11 months. Or because by waiting a year, okay, the feast would have been also the year of Jubilee. So just think of, okay, this could have been. And we don't know if this was just Solomon's thought. He's the wisest guy on the planet, right? Or was it God? We, we don't know, okay? It doesn't say. But I'm good with that. Okay, I, I'm, I'm perfectly good. He waited, he waited 11 months, he waited 11 months. But what a celebration it was. It tells us in, um, and I'll just read it to you, okay? In Second Chronicles 7, 1 through 3, it just says, Then Solomon had finished praying, fire came from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Think of that one, okay? When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What a spectacular sight, right? Can you just imagine the sight that these people seen? That building became, you couldn't go in it. The glory of the Lord was just in it. You could not do your job. Okay? And the the fire came down, consumed the sacrifice. Now, Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, and all that is in it, sends fire down. He sends fire down for these people from the sky and it consumes. Then his glory comes down and fills the temple so much that the priests could not complete their duties. This is mind blowing, okay? The story goes on to tell us that 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep were sacrificed. It was such a great amount of sacrifice that Solomon okay specially consecrated the area in front of the temple remember as he's doing this okay as he's as he's dedicating the the temple he's on his knees he made this this brazen platform okay before the altar and he's on his knees and he's praying so now he he takes this platform and he he consecrated it okay and that bronze platform that he was dealing on during dedication it says that the the, the altar oh, I'm sorry that the altar that that they built for the sacrifices was too small. So on the first day, the altar was out of commission. Okay? This is the, the, the sacrifice that's going on here. Kind of like Tim when he does baptisms, okay? Major sacrifice. But the Lord, okay, He is with these people. He actually came down, and he's with them. The, the house is filled with his glory. The, the fire comes down. So now, it goes on, it says in chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. It says, "We, uh, I should say, we've seen that they started the building of the temple on the fourth year. Okay, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. And it took seven, we've seen that. Now, chapter one, chapter 7, verse 1, it says... But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house. So he finished it. So, we have the building of the temple. We have him dedicating it. God comes down. He's visiting the people. What a party. Okay? And now, Solomon takes another 13 years and builds all the other buildings. So now, we are at the halfway mark of Solomon's reign. We're we're into 20 years. Okay? Then... When all the building was done, meaning the temple and his palace, the house of Pharaoh's daughter, his wife, and so on, it was all built. So let's jump into now chapter 9, okay, verses 1 to 2. It says there, it says, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, okay? As he had appeared to him in Gibeon. Twice now, God is showing up to Solomon personally. God now speaks to Solomon in a dream just like he did back in chapter three. Charles Spurgeon, he writes, Brethren, we want renewed appearances, fresh manifestations, new visitations from on high. And I commend to those of you who are getting on in life that while you thank God for the past and look back with joy to his visits to you in your early days, you now seek and ask for a second visitation of the Most High. And boy, oh boy, do I ever look for those appearances again. Right? We long for them. This place is rough. Planet Earth, it stinks. And we need it, right? So verse 3, it goes on there in 1 Kings 9. It says, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built, to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Oh, what a dream, Right? Do you? Re- it's almost like saying Solomon. Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember back when I filled the temple with my glory? Okay. And consumed the sacrifice. It was just twelve years ago, Solomon. Just a mere twelve years ago. Now, in the same story, okay, in Second Chronicles seven chapters, uh, yeah, chapter seven verses eleven to sixteen. If you want to turn it, you can. You don't have to. I'll just read it, okay. 2 Second, Second Chronicles 7, verses 11 to 16. About this dream, it says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make, everything that was in his heart, okay, in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, okay? Or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, okay? God saying, when I do this, when I shut it all up, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Oh, man, right? What a dream, okay? I, I, I don't know about you, but I'd have woken up like, oh, man. Okay? So God assured Solomon, Solomon that he had heard his prayer and would answer it. He said that his eyes would be on the house that Solomon had built and dedicated, and that his ears would be alert to hear the prayers of his people. Notice here the cooperation between man and God. Okay? Listen, man has got to do his part. He has to do his part. And then God will do his part. It is also true that God won't do man's part. Just won't. And as much as he tries, as much as man tries, he can't do God's part. Okay? So God says to Solomon here, in, back in First Kings, okay, chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart, okay, in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments... Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, if Solomon walked before God in obedience and faithfulness to God, okay, he could expect blessings on his reign and the reign of his descendants. And the dynasty of David would endure forever. But that choice was all his. God wasn't going to force it. It was his choice to do so. Remember that we are at the halfway part, okay, of Solomon's reign. Now, I don't know, is there any sports people here? Right? Right? I, I know that they, even secretly. I, I, I don't watch football, uh-huh. And then you're sitting in the closet watching it on your phone, right? I'm dating myself, okay? Way back, okay? Way back. It was 1993, okay? It was the biggest comeback game. I know everybody had their eyes on this one, right? It was a comeback game in the NFL. It was the 1993 AFC wild card playoff game. All right? It was the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Oilers. Buffalo was playing without three key starters one, their quarterback, right? Their, their, their running back, and their linebacker. These guys were toast, all right? Your, your local high school team should have beaten them. Now, at halftime, the Bills were getting thumped. I mean, thumped, right? They're trailing 35 3. But in the second half, they came back, okay? They came back and won the game 41-38 to 38 in overtime. You want to talk about an exciting game, okay? It's one that just doesn't leave your memory, okay? Here's the thing that I'm getting at. There was one team that made a huge second-half comeback and that was after having a lousy first half, okay? But we often forget that there's also a team that had a great first half, only to fall apart and blow it in the second half. Half Halftime, okay, or the halfway mark is a very important time in any game, okay? Even in the game of life. Now, much has happened in Solomon's life, but the game isn't over yet. God's come, okay? The coach has now walked into the locker room of Solomon in this dream, and he's talking to him. What happens in the second half of our lives is going to determine our outcome, okay? And it will often be what people remember about us when we're gone. Now, where we are here in our study, it puts us at the halfway mark of Solomon's life. He had been reigning for 20 years, 20-something years, okay? Chapter 11, verse 42 of 1 Kings tells us, and the period that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And from that, we know about Solomon, Okay? His life is kind of like one of those teams. They have a great first half and then a lousy second. Okay, Solomon had enjoyed an amazing, successful first half. we just seen that. I mean, the glory of God came down. I, the fire came down, consumed the sacrifice. All these people seen this. Solomon was the, the, the front man praising the Lord. Solomon has a lousy second half, okay? He accomplished all his goals in life, both personally and nationally. He had achieved unbelievable glory and prosperity, and so had the nation of Israel. It is at its peak, okay? at its peak. Solomon now has even got ships. Okay? He's going places. He's sending people out. The man had his own zoo. Okay? He got orangutans and apes and gir- everything. Anything he wanted he got. Israel's splendor and glory was known around the known world. Even so, the, the Queen of Sheba traveled a long way just to see it. And to see how wise he was. And it tells us that the Queen of Sheba was blown away. What I heard, it doesn't compare to what I see between his wisdom and between the glory of Jerusalem. Now, we see that God comes to Solomon in this during halftime, right? And says, remember, in verses 4 and 5, okay, and tells, tells him, now if you walk, remember, right, what he said, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness. And I know that some of us will, will, will sit there and say, well, wait a minute, what did God just say here? Notice how God describes David with integrity and uprightness. Think of that for a minute. David, according to God, walked in personal integrity and upright behavior before the Lord. Not a single mention, because we love to do this, okay, not a single mention of his adultery. The murder, okay, Uh, setting up Uriah, right? Murder and adultery in David's time was a death sentence. Take him outside and stone him. According to God's law. Not a mention of it. Not even with his pride, with, with the census that he took. Okay? Remember that? He told Joab, go count the people. 70,000 men died because of that. It wasn't their fault. It was David's. And also... He was also the worst father in the world. He had kids that wanted to kill him, take over. He had kids that raped kids, uh, raped, raped their uh, sons or their daughter. It was he was he wasn't a good disciplinarian, that's for sure. He was a mighty warrior. He wasn't a warrior at home. But because David was justified by faith, okay, and all God sees and records is the good in David's heart. I really hope, I don't know, this thrills me, okay? This thrills, because I'm one of those ones that used to say, well, at least I'm not like Charlie Manson, right? Okay? Well, I'm not like David neither. But it thrills me to death, okay? And it should you too. As much as it does, okay, it should thrill thrill us to hear this because the same thing is true for us today, okay? God goes on to say, I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over all Israel forever. And I promised David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man. On the throne of Israel. You see, God did not demand perfect obedience, okay? From Solomon. David definitely did not walk perfectly before the Lord. None of us can. As long as we're pumping blood through our bodies, we can't. Okay? David knew this. David's the one who wrote this, right? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. It's coming in repentance. Turning from it and not doing it. God told Solomon to walk before me as your father did, okay? As David walked. This was not out of Solomon's reach. But but God goes on and he gives Solomon a warning in this dream. Verses 6 to 9. But if you or your sons at all, turn from following me, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Man, what a warning to Solomon. Then I will cut off Israel from the land. Think about what these people went through down the road, okay? I will cut Israel off from the land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated by my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. Now you start sweating in this dream. started off good, right? Now you're sweating. And for this house, which is exalted, Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. David, I mean, Solomon, what a warning, okay? What a warning. I have noticed that God warns us of things we really need to be be on guard against, okay? If Solomon or his descendants were to turn from following the Lord, God promised to correct disobedient Israel. But we know through history, through reading our word, hundreds of years before they get wiped, 200 for the northern tribes, 400 for Judah. Solomon would, and his sons would, also turn from God, okay? So if God is warning you about something, he's warning you, Take it very seriously, okay? God said, I will cut Israel off. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all his people. I think God's serious, but God is long-suffering also, that no man would perish, that all would come to repentance. And I love that too. Why? Because that word all is in there. So is whosoever. I'm in there. The Living Bible says it like this Israel will become a joke to the nations and an example and proverb of sudden disaster. Meaning, look, God keeps his word on what he's going to do. Hey, the temple will honor God one way or the other. Okay? Either people will see it standing and praise God's glory or see it in ruins and marvel. And his judgment. Listen, when Moses dedicated, okay, the tabernacle, God sent fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Leviticus 9.23, it says, Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. That was the first time. This is now the second time that these people have seen this. And it's recorded for us. Why do we take things so lightly? I, and I, I, it bothers me when I hear people say, yeah, but I live in the New Testament. You better read the Old. Because the New Testament is that Old Testament Given out to you, okay? So moving on, apparently God's, well, let's put it this way. We know that when Solomon dedicated the, the temple to God, okay, dedicated the temple, that God sent fire from heaven to consume that sacrifice. So twice, okay? So apparently, when we look at this, apparently God's grand openings are something to behold. Okay? But as I mentioned, right? God is at work in the world building a temple. Okay? A spiritual house. That's us. A church. Okay? He's fitting us together. Whatever makes us think that when we prayed, and I know that we have, okay, you can you've done it in secret. You may have even done it out loud. Oh Lord if only you would show your face I will serve you forever. I'm telling you. These guys seen it twice. Okay? It came down, took the sacrifice in fire. Fire's coming. It's in Revelation. We know that. It's coming. But check this out. On the opening day of the church, remember the church when it first its grand opening, Right? There in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, God again sent fire from heaven. This time just flickers of fire settled over the disciples' heads. So again, God sends fire on the sacrifices, right? And what do you, what do you mean sacrifices? They were the disciples. But this time not on dead sacrifices, but on living sacrifices. He sets on fire witnesses not carcasses, okay? You and I need to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Be filled with the Spirit, on fire for Jesus as it tells us. Romans 12, 1-2, Paul would write, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, Right? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In 1 Kings 2, God paid a special visit to Solomon. We've seen this, okay, and granted him wisdom. Wisdom. Now in 9, he comes again, and he encourages him to use his wisdom, Okay, Be wise here, Solomon. I'm blessing you here in the beginning, right? I'm giving you a warning now. I know what you're going to do. You have a choice not to do it. This visitation occurs after Solomon has been king for over two decades. God comes to him midterm, halftime, and provides a warning. And what does Solomon do? Okay, if we jump over to chapter 11, jump over to chapter 11, 1 Kings, right? Verses 1 through 4. What does Solomon do? But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, okay? Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites, whatever ites there is, right? From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, okay, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. It says there in Deuteronomy 17, Verses 16 and 17. It says, "God, this is God. He's given Moses instructions on when Israel picks a king. God commanded the kings of Israel, he shall not multiply horses for himself, neither shall he multiply wives for himself. You think he messed up? Lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. It tells us here in 1 Kings that silver was so plentiful, it was like rocks. It was worthless. You think he messed up here? I think so. The kings of Israel were to avoid accumulating horses, wives, and wealth. Why? Too many horses caused the king to trust in what? His army, his cavalry. Rather than God. And they we, That's the key, rather than God. Too many wives turn the king's affections and loyalty away from God. A thousand women. I I can't even fathom that. It's crazy. Too much money makes the king proud and hardness in his heart. Well, we all seen this happen. Okay? When the when that dominant team comes out of that locker room, okay, at the end of the half, at the end of halftime, all prideful, right, believing that all the first half performance was, was so good and it was good enough to get them through the second half that they can just lay back and say, we got this game won. Oh, we've all seen that so many times. How how many times have you thrown your slipper at the TV? (laughs) Because you know what they're doing, right? But we now see Team Solomon, okay, starting to get lazy in their coverage, okay? The The second half has started, and... He's getting lazy in his coverage, okay? The locker room at the end of the halftime came out with all this pride. Now penalties are happening, and turnovers, and the other team is scoring little by little. And we witnessed the fall of a once very, very smart man, okay? And a very skilled ruler, The wisest man in all the earth now plays the fool. And you got to think, Solomon, and and I'm sure we say this to ourselves, and I'm sure that when we were reading through the the Old Testament, we say, oh, silly Jews, how could you do that? And we just turn around and we do it anyway. Right? So we think, Solomon, two times God has said, To you that if you walk in my statutes, keep my commands, execute my judgments, then I will bless you. If not, I will thump you. He did it anyway. I am so convinced that God gives us two plans. Very convinced it is. Okay. Plan A is always God's plan. It's the first one, it's the best one. Plan B, ah, that's our plan. Okay? Which is the one that I often choose. Okay, plan B. Now, I'm the one that prays, okay, Lord, please, let this rapture happen. Okay? Let's get this thing going here. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being a thunderhead. Okay? And picking picking and choosing plan B. I'm tired. Lord take me home. Okay? And get me off this sinful rock that we live on. You would have, you would have had the thought that maybe Solomon, the wisest man, would listen to his own proverb. Okay? Proverb 27:20. 20. He writes, "Hell and destruction are, are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied." He wrote a lot of Proverbs. He might not have remembered them. He was wise, didn't say he had a good memory. I challenge you to go back to your own journals. Reread them, okay? And see how well you lived up to what you wrote. Oh, Lord, if you only did this, I'll do that. Did you ever keep the vows? He might have answered the prayers, but with the vows. Were well, they kept. He would also write towards the end of his life. Now, we don't know. We don't know if Solomon was, was saved. We don't know if he repented, okay? If you read Ecclesiastes, you might think, mm, he might have repented. You got a lot of pastors out there that are brimstone in hell. It, he's, in, he's burning for good, okay? I don't know. It doesn't say. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Right? So I'm not going to pass judgment on Solomon. But he would write this towards the end of his life in the Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel. Ecclesiastes 2, 9 and 10. So I became greater than all who have lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure he would write this, right? He would go on to say that all this, everything that he wanted, every, he did never denied himself, it was all vanity and grasping of the wind. It's all vanity. Meaning that having all the money in the world, oh, if I could just win that lottery. Oh, the missionaries I can support with the billion-dollar lottery. All the money in the world... All the women, oh yeah, find me a billionaire that has one wife, that had only one wife. Find me a millionaire. Find me a wealthy lawyer that's only had one life, one wife. I never cheated. All the money. All the women I ever wanted, and he said it never filled my emptiness. Never filled it. And now look at the outcome of all these women, okay? When Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. But we really can't blame just the women. It was his choosing. He chose to do so, okay? The same is true with us. It's all what we choose. Hey, the devil made me do it. That doesn't fly. Okay. It didn't work out well with Eve nor Adam. It was the wife you gave me he said. No, it was your choice, boy. It doesn't work either, okay? Everyone is warned in this book over and over and over and over again. Now age did not make Solomon wiser. He seemed to be wiser in his own in his youth. And you'd think that age and experience would should should make him and us more godly and wise, but they do not automatically do so. His heart did not fully follow the Lord Jehovah he did not follow him as like the heart of his father David did look at verses five to five through eight there for Solomon went. After, because we're we're in uh, chapter 11. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonins, and after Milkan, the uh, abomination of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as his father did, right? Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, his foreign wives, how many, who burned incense and sacrifice to their gods. The very thing that God had warned Solomon about in the beginning of his reign, and then again at halftime in that locker room in his brain, right, during the, in, that, in that second dream, would mark his, uh, in that second half of his reign, you see David, David was never guilty of one thing, idolatry idolatry. That's what Solomon did not follow his father in. He did not walk in the integrity of his father. He did not worship God and God only. He went to these other gods. He built high places to me. He sacrificed, burned incense. Hey, there are things that the Lord warns you and I about. Okay? And there are, re- uh, and then I'd have to ask are there reoccurring things that God convicts us of? Things that every few months or so, maybe, the voice of the Lord is knocking, right? On your heart. Watch out for this. Don't give in to that, right? Well, the reason the Lord continues to warn us is that He knows it is an area where you are vulnerable. Okay? Take heed, pay attention to that warning. God in his love is telling us where we need to watch and to be guard. Also it's where Satan is the most prone to attack. We're told that God um, that God give us he will give us the way out. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Okay? But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The devil made me do it. Pui. Not working. My friends are doing it. They, they pressured me into it. No, wrong. You chose to do it. Gives us a way out. I see people that, that were delivered from drugs and alcohol only to go back to it. If you're delivered, whatever makes people think that if God delivers you from something, that you can go back to it. Like, I got control over it now. No, you never did. You needed him to take you away from it. I heard, and I've been told, right, hey, marijuana is okay, it calms my nerves. Wow. It's natural, man, right? Everybody's got a Cheech and Chong friend. Yo, man, right? It's natural, God made it. I'll tell you what, lead and uranium is also natural, and I don't see you ingesting that. Right? Now, the Amorites and the Moabites were descendants of Abraham's nephew, okay, Lot. We all know that story, right? The two daughters got the old boy drunk, raped them. They had kids. The Ammonites worshipped that hideous god, Molech, okay, and sacrificed their infants on the altars. Hello, okay, we're 60 million dead in this country. Who's paying for that one? Chemosh was the chief god of the Moabites and Ashtoreth, okay? Was the goddess of the people of Tyre and Sidon. The goddess of fertility and her worship included legalized prostitution involving both male and female temple prostitutes. Oh, hello again. Okay? We... We have a legalized prostitution in Nevada. One of our states. The Babylonians also worshiped this goddess and called her Ishtar. Remember that Solomon had encouraged the people to have hearts that were perfect with the Lord. Back there in chapter 8, meaning that they were to be undivided and totally yielded to him. Alone. Yet, His own heart wasn't perfect with God. Solomon didn't totally abandon, he didn't totally abandon Jehovah, okay? He would go up, what, three times times a year to sacrifice? But what he did was he made God one of many gods, okay? One of many gods that he worshipped. This is a direct violation of the first two commandments given on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20. The Lord Jehovah is the only true living God, and he will not be put on the same level as the false idols of the nations. He says, for I am God, and there is what? No other. I am God, and there is none like me. So how many other gods are there really? None. 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 The sad thing is, is that this can happen to any one of us. Okay? I see it happening to people I know, and it, it just it breaks my heart. We have many, many stories sitting right there in our laps. Okay? That tells us what God expects from us, what to do and what not to do, and how to live. Just like he had, Solomon had the same thing. He had that too. Think of it, like Solomon, we, we all started great. Okay, think of that. We all started great. We all heard the good news. And we accepted it. And we were born again. Forgiven. Right? And we stood on it. Isn't that great? That's a great start. 2 Corinthians 5.16 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What a great start. Listen, I'm going on 61 this year. And I'm already riddled with illness. Okay? There is no one in this room today, that is guaranteed tonight. Just not guaranteed. Okay? But if the Lord sees to it that we have some time left, why not let today be your halftime prep talk? Okay? And go out of this locker room today and make your second half a comeback one of them comeback halves, okay? Listen, the coach, our coach, is itching to give you the pep talk, okay? If you just seek him, it's sitting in your lap. Listen, the Lord wants us to be about his business. That's what's important, okay? The church has a job, and it needs to point the way to Jesus. And I'm only going to say this once, okay? And not to a man or a party looking to 2024. It has to be Jesus. It has to be today. Listen, I don't want to come out of my halftime, okay, with, with, a, with a great lead because I got a great lead. I have eternal life. That's a great lead. And I don't want to blow it in the second half, okay? Because I got lazy and and, and figured that, "Eh, you know what? I can just skate by. I could just take it easy. Because my beginning started so great, I accepted Jesus. And just say, hey, at least I'm saved. Mm -hmm. Hey, Paul gives us how we are to finish the game, okay? We call life. He said there in Acts 22-24, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except, yes, he does, okay, that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count myself my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race, with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. We all have that. We all have a ministry from the Lord Jesus. What is your ministry? and to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. First Corinthians 9:24 he would write, "Do you not know that those who run in the inner race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it." Why they have to write that down. We know that, right? I don't know, we need to keep being reminded. Okay? To to be able to run that race. We want to finish that race. And we I want the crown. I don't want to come in second place. That's no good. Who wants the silver or bronze? I want the gold. Give it to me. You see, I I, I want to at least finish this race and leave as an example, if just that at least just for my kids and my grandkids. Okay, I got seven of each. That starts off with 14. If, if I start there and I'm a good example, hey, maybe they'll have more. And maybe they'll do more. And that spreads. That's all it takes. This could be like a cancer and pop it right off. But it starts here. Okay, it starts here with me. Paul said there in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want that to be my last words to my kids and my grandkids, to my wife. The Holy Spirit wrote there in Hebrews 12, 1-2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, that let us lay aside every weight and the sin which is easily ensnares us, easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance that race that is set before us, looking unto who? Jesus, not 2024, man. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand, Throne of God. You see, aren't we supposed to show people who this author is? Right? You know, when, when Solomon was dedicating, when he dedicated the temple, and he had a whole list of prayers that he went through, okay? And in 1 Kings chapter 8, 41 to 43, It says, moreover, he's talking to God, and he's on that platform. He's on his knees, and he's got his hands up. And he says, moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake. Oh, listen up. That's us. For they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this temple, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. And all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. Huh. tell me are we are are the people of this world are they looking to us okay they need to be looking to us we're the ones that are connected with christ we're the ones that have the holy spirit in us we're the ones that have that great beginning okay Are they supposed to be the ones, are we supposed to be the ones to show them the way? Not saying that we have, that, you know, we saved them. That's not our job. But we ought to show them the way to the one who can. Right? First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, okay? I'm going to leave it here with this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God. And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yeah, we're not God's. We're not, we're not in a cult. No, we belong to God is what it's saying. Okay? This, our lives are supposed to be completely different from this world. So when these people look at us and say, hey, there's something different in your life. What is it? Okay? You don't sit there and dump them in the head with a Bible. You just talk to them about Jesus. And say, this is what changed my life. This is where he took me from. Don't go back to it. I believe that we are all, we, we are to be about our father's business. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And let's finish well. Let's take our second half, okay, (laughs) and finish well. Let's come out with a huge win. Amen? Okay, Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this time we come together. And, Lord, just be in your word. Father, we lift this time to you. We give you our lives, Lord God. We give you our hearts. And, Father, we just ask you, Lord, to fill us, Lord God, with your spirit that we Lord God, that we may be able to um, reach others, Lord, for you to do uh, your will in our lives. So, Father, we ask you, Lord God, to be with us as we go our way this week. And, Lord, just bless uh, the time after and just, uh, Lord, just praise you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. And all God's saints say, Amen. Amen.